Charles Spurgeon, who was a well-known preacher, said, any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the skilful singer is he who can sing when there's not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God. They're not in the power of men. Prayer and praise are powerful weapons against the forces of darkness. If you want to know more of God's presence in your life, spend time in prayer and praise. Once when I was in PNG, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a very strong sense of the power of darkness in my room. I lived in a house alone. There was no human being within calling distance. At first, I just lay in bed feeling frightened and asking God to protect me. And then God gave me the idea to praise him. So I did. I started singing every praise song I could think of in every language I knew, out loud. And soon the darkness lifted and the fear left me. I knew that God was with me and I went peacefully back to sleep. Another time I was in America and doing some study, we had a prayer group meeting in my apartment and one day they were trying to cast a demon out of one of the people who was there. And this demon was very strong in that man and it caused him to use foul language and to resist strongly with physical actions. The person who was leading the group told us to start a song of praise to God. And we did. And the demon in this man just began to whimper and to lose its strength and finally it was easily cast out. Maybe that sounds strange to you, but I know what I saw. And I saw that praise to God weakens the powers of darkness. So when you're starting to feel oppressed by evil, start to praise God. Back to the story. Paul and Silas are praising God. And then in the midst of their praise comes an earthquake, a strong earthquake. The doors of the prison flew open, all the chains on the prisoners came loose. Praise sometimes brings very powerful results. And we say often that darkness is the absence of light. Well, I think spiritually speaking, darkness is also the absence of praise. Now just imagine that you're the jailer. You wake up in the middle of the night because your bed is being shaken. It's dark. There's a noise of things falling off shelves and onto the floor, maybe even a few bricks coming down off the ceiling. You stagger half awake to the window and you see every door in the jail is wide open. You know that the rules are that you're going to be killed if all the prisoners escape or if any of them escape. And in despair, you decide to do it yourself and save yourself from the shame and the pain. You take out your sword, ready to kill yourself, but a voice shouts out to you through the darkness. It's okay, the prisoners are still here, you don't need to kill yourself. Completely shaken, you are totally aware that something is happening here that is beyond anything you've ever experienced before. A prisoner with the opportunity to leave who doesn't go. You know why he's here, why they're here. It's because they believe in Jesus. It's because they're preaching about a God who can change people's lives. And you know that this God has power because this God drove the evil spirit out of that young woman. It was her employers that got Paul thrown into jail. You know that the one who's really in jail is you because you're bound up 
in the fear of men, in the fear of evil spirits, and you deserve to die. But this prisoner knows about true freedom, and you realise that he knows more about truly living than you have ever known. You grab the lights, you come rushing up to him and his friend, you bring them out of the jail and you ask, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas give a simple answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they keep on explaining the word of the Lord to you and to all those in your house. And you do believe. Compassion is born in you. And you wash and care for the wounds that these men have from their beating. And obedience is also a natural outcome of your belief. You and your family are baptised straight away. And love for your new brothers in Christ who've been responsible for setting you free means that you invite them into your house. You give them a meal. Suddenly you know joy. You're filled with joy because you have come to believe in God, you and your whole family. What a wonderful story. I'm impressed with all the people we've seen in this story. I'm impressed with Paul and Silas because they sing praises right in the middle of what must have been a very difficult time. I'm impressed because when he could escape, Paul stays there long enough to set the jailer free by sharing the good news about salvation. And I'm impressed with the jailer. He catches on quickly to the fact that what's going on here is not just a natural phenomenon. It's God in action. And I'm impressed that he immediately believes when the good news is explained to him. And he, is, he and his family are immediately obedient to God by getting baptised. I'm impressed with the question the jailer asks. He comes straight to the point. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I believe that this question is one of the most important questions in the world. If you're not yet a Christian, what questions do you ask yourself or ask us even as you come into this place? Because there's no question that's more important than this one. The most important questions are not things like, do I like the music in this church? Or are the people nice to me? The important question is, what must I do to be saved? This is the question that will have eternal consequences for you. And this is the question that can change your life. This is the question that can set you free. What must I do to be saved? That's the question that recognises that we ourselves don't hold the keys to eternal life. We ourselves can't walk from darkness into light or from darkness into praise in the midst of hardship. We ourselves can't lift ourselves into God's presence and be acceptable to him. We ourselves can't be saved by making gods in our own image and worshipping them. We don't know the way to be saved. Honestly, without God, where is your life taking you? What will happen when you die? What's the purpose of your being on this earth? How can you overcome the, the powers, the spiritual forces of evil? How can you be released from anxiety and fear and uncertainty and purposelessness? That's the most important question that you can ask. The answer is the most important answer. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Christians, that's the most important answer that we have to give other people. It's the only answer that we have. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no salvation any other way, only by believing in Jesus. I believe in Jesus is not some wishy-washy statement. I believe in Jesus is a statement that leads to a new and different life. James says in his letter, in James 2 verse 18, he says, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. When I say that I believe in Jesus, there are consequences. The statement, I believe in Jesus, just like it did for the jailer, leads to obedience. Look at that jailer. He believed. He washed the wounds of those sweaty, bloody prisoners. He went out immediately and he got baptised. He showed hospitality to his new brothers in Christ. I can't say I believe in Jesus and do absolutely nothing about it. I believe that Anthony Albanese, for the time being anyway, is the Prime Minister of Australia. It's true. But I don't need to do anything about it. That's intellectual assent, saying yes with my mind. But when I say I believe in Jesus, it means that I commit myself to him. I hand over my whole life into his care and his control. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you willing to commit your whole life to him? Are you willing to hand over all control to him? That's believing in Jesus. The Bible word for believe means so much more than just simply believing that Jesus existed. It's like, I have an intellectual assent to the fact that the little paddle canoe in PNG is a legitimate means of transport across the huge Ramu River. I believe that canoes can carry people from A to B. My mind says that's true. But when I step off solid ground into that little canoe and I push off from the shore into the rushing floodwaters of the huge Ramu River, that is when I truly believe in the biblical sense. I trust my life to that thing. I have no alternative plans for getting from A to B. Though the floodwaters rage all around me and huge logs drift past me and the ride is wild and uncertain, I believe this thing will get me there. That's belief. Belief in Jesus means stepping out, having no alternative plans for living my life, having confidence that if he directs my life, he'll take me in the best direction. He'll keep me when life is overwhelming. And I will do whatever he tells me to do. If I end up in jail because I've been sharing the good news about him, I'll sing praises to him. This is, I hope. (laughs) I'm sure I will. (laughs) If I have to give up something in order to follow him, I'll be willing. I have no other plans for my life but to do what God tells me to do. That's belief in Jesus. The greatest question in the world is, what must I do to be saved? 
And the only true answer in the world is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Paul and Silas's belief in Jesus led them to release a woman from the oppression of an evil spirit. They knew that as they trusted in Jesus, they had more power than that demon that controlled her. Their belief in Jesus led to that woman being set free. Paul and Silas's belief in Jesus led to them being imprisoned. But their absolute confidence in God led them to praise God in the middle of this trial. They knew that he was with them. They felt honoured when they were chosen to suffer for him. The experience led to joy. They were able to rejoice because they trusted in God. And their belief in Jesus and their praise in him led to another whole family believing in Jesus and rejoicing in him too. Verse 34 in our reading tells us that the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Paul and Silas believed. They praised God. Their praise led to the power of God working in the situation where they were. And God used that whole situation to lead the jailer to Christ. A whole family believed and a whole family praised God. Out of all of these things that I've been saying, I want you to remember two things. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the second thing to remember is that when we praise God, sometimes our situation doesn't change, but we certainly do. And our ability to cope within that situation changes as we learn to praise God in tough times. Those are the two things I'd like you to think of as you leave this building.